We'll see. It's been, been a long day today, Charles. But a good one. Right? And uh, we read some parts of that book I was telling you about yesterday on the episode. Use a Kindle. No, I, I got the paper. Now that I'm back and I'm settled for a uh, while, okay. Jared, it's all paper books, baby. So how do you how do you books. how do you make notes of spots to go back to? Uh, I just try to remember where I read it. I should right. just put a sticky, but I try to remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. I just get into my books, Jared. Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here recording episode 237, and today we are talking about counterculture. So we're going to be talking about what is counterculture, some different examples of counterculture, not only within the U.S., but in other places. Um, But it does tend to uh, manifest itself, I would say, in similar ways. Uh, You know, we all, regardless of our, our creed, nationality, culture, I feel like we all, uh, as humans, express ourselves in certain ways and uh, and rebel against the mainstream in, in similar ways as well. So we'll be talking about some of those ways today. Uh, and who knows, maybe by the end of the episode, you might be a hippie yourself. Uh, who knows? I got my tie-dye uh, tank top on for all of our listeners out there on YouTube, I guess viewers on YouTube. Um, if you're not, uh, we thank you for uh, checking us out on Spotify and Stitcher and all the other great stuff out there. Um, but, you know... This podcast would be nowhere where it's at without my partner in crime uh, trying to start our own untranslatable counterculture. My good buddy, Jared. What's going on, Jared? Mm-hmm. Get into the untranslatable podcast while, while you can. Be one of the people that can say, oh, I knew them before they were uh, famous. Because uh, <laughs> we will sell out, by the, by the way, when oh, the time sure. comes. Pepsi, Coke, whoever gives us the better offer quicker, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a phantom man myself, but hey, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Gillette, the best razors <laughs> in the business. And I'm sitting here with like a super long beard or something. <laughs> yeah, are you going to have like a... It's going to be like um, at the end of a Formula One race, they put on... Um, their hat, you know, that oh, obviously yeah, has like yeah. the, and then they, uh, all of them get handed like a, you know, like a, t- a tens of thousands of dollar wristwatch that they always just wear. Right. Like that's just the first thing they put on after the race. It's like, hey, the sponsors are looking, put put it on. That's true. Um, and I always, every time I look at it, I'm like, I bet you the time has not never been, is never right on those watches. Probably. I bet, I you, bet they, you they don't even work. <laughs> I bet you there's like not even a battery. Just props. In them. Yeah. They're just, I mean, it's probably not even a real one. It's probably just. The, yeah. The real one costs $35,000, but the one on their wrist, that's actually just like a hollow uh, right. case. <laughs> just for, just for the. That's just like 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> right. It costs us 2250 so uh, we decided to go with that. If you look closely, there's not even any hands on it. So <laughs> right. All you can see is our logo in really big letters, just so you know it's our watch. I mean, that that probably might be smarter, because I, I can't imagine they're ever like, what time is it? <laughs> right. You know, looking I, at their. I have to say, I wish. Uh, I wish our uh, our wonderful Congress uh, congressmen and congresswomen would uh, wear their sponsors on their suits uh, <laughs> when they gave speeches. Because what uh, if their what if their suits uh, look like a like a like a soccer jersey or something like that? It'll look like a NASCAR. Just, or like, look a, like a yeah, NASCAR like, thing. Like yeah, they just have patches everywhere. NRA and. Uh, who yeah, I mean, Westboro it would probably Baptist have to be, Church. it wouldn't even all fit on what they're wearing, to be honest right. with you. It would have to be on some sort of, they would be on their jet. Their it's jet okay. would be it's covered a, it's in okay. a... We'll, we'll give them a hat. They can wear a hat, you know, they can, they can wear a scarf if they need as some extra. As soon as they walk into, um, 
into the Capitol. They like are wearing right. their suits and they put on a baseball cap, right? And it's it just sit, says it's like on their Texaco on it, right? <laughs> and right. my uh, my uh, my chief sponsor, a uh, couple pharmaceutical BP. companies, <laughs> yeah, Pfizer, my right. chief sponsor, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I would yeah, like to thank crazy. you for the flight out here. Um, so please, by the way, um. Spread a little love. Follow us on Instagram, on Translatable Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter, on Translatable One, the number one. You can follow us uh, on those two places that I just said. You can also um, you please give us five star reviews on iTunes, Stitcher. That would be great. Also, just announced we have a um, multi million deal dollar deal with uh, Spotify in the works. So pray for us on that. Um, so we were talking before we started. Uh, not recording, but before we started officially doing this pod about um, the shutdown and all this stuff and how it just seems like it's endless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, different places in the world, different countries seem to have it under control more than others. And so it... You it's, could say it, that. And I think I think to say that... Um, like I, like I think Americans get a bad rap, but I bet you people in other countries out there, there are a lot of restless people out there that are like that are like this is ridiculous in various other countries too. Um, have you heard though that um, this is a perfect perfect confluence of two people, two two groups struggling right now? The the man or or woman who has to uh, the person, excuse me, I shouldn't say that at all. The person that the is human? trapped at home, yeah. Uh, the humanoid that is trapped at a home, the sentient being <laughs> that is trapped at home during um, during this pandemic is getting all, is is you know this is not healthy for 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 one's mental health. And then there's also the airline industries who are just hemorrhaging money hand over fist because no one is going anywhere for the most part. Even though right. you know people are traveling occasionally, it's not like you can't travel, but you can't go far. And you know we are lucky here in the u.s we have access to so much here in the u.s as far as landscape and and travel opportunities where i I don't think we even realize how lucky we might have it in comparison to people uh, people in other countries like in europe or something like that that are so used to just hopping from country to country um qantas i believe yes has a has a uh, has a uh, idea for this and i want i want to get your opinion on this what do you think of this as a business idea for the airlines Mm -hmm. Uh, finally, a four. Okay, well, I'll, I'll give. I'll Uh-oh, be fair. You're already starting to laugh. This is. <laughs> well, I was gonna say this article is a little skewed, so <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're gonna know enough. the article's feelings of it pretty quickly. Okay. Finally, a form of leisure travel. This is from Jalopnik, a, a, a car uh, public publication that I like to read. Uh, finally, a form of, or I guess transportation, I should say. Finally, a form of leisure travel more detestable and tedious than cruise ships some airlines are so desperate to retake the skies that they are now offering sightseeing trips that begin and end at the same airport it's a horrifyingly wasteful practice and with ticket price uh, and with tickets proving extremely popular with jet-setting customers tired of being grounded by COVID-19 it's possibly not a passing fad uh from the USA Today, Australian car- uh, carrier Qantas Airways has offered a flight billed as the Great Southern Land Scenic Flight that uh, both takes off from and lands in Sydney. Qantas is, is mm-hmm. uh, Aust- Australia's big uh, uh, like international airline, uh, who, which, if I'm not mistaken, has pretty nice first class if you get on with some of those big planes. 
Mm. I think they're known for having a, one of the nicer ones. Taiwan-based EVA Air, uh, Air flew Hello Kitty-themed flights round trip from into Taipei <laughs> in August. The Bangkok Post reports, Japan's ANA offered a brief sightseeing flight from Tokyo in August on the planes it normally uses uh, on the Honolulu run. The airline, that's crazy. I imagine the plane they use on the Honolulu run is much bigger than anything that's needed to get anywhere in Japan on a plane. (laughs) Probably, right. It's not that big of a place. Um, Singapore Airlines is weighing whether to give the concept a go. Singapore Airlines is considering several initiatives that would allow us to continue engaging both our customers and members of the public. Currently, none of these plans have been firmed up, says spokesman James Boyd. Uh, Chad, how do you feel about a sightseeing flight? From point A to point A sightseeing flight. Uh, you don't get off the plane. Well, you, you get off the plane in the same place you took off and go back home. Well, I think it's I think it's very wasteful in terms of like all the fuel. Well, I don't know how much fuel do they go through. Um, let's let's. Well, I don't know how much fuel matter. they go through, but matter. let me tell Anyways. you how much they cost. By the way, okay, sure. Um, so um, with ticket. Okay, so ticket prices for the Qantas one. So okay, so um. Let me just okay. I'm I'm just so overwhelmed by all this great information. Uh, Jalopnik. Ah, uh, uh, yes, a Hawaiian resort experience in an airport. This that honestly sounds terrible <laughs> and nowhere close to as good as uh, actually oh, getting to be in Hawaii. That is hilarious. <laughs> I used to fly four or five times a year and have never enjoyed anything about the airport except leaving it. I agree. Yep. As soon as I get into yep. the airport, I'm yep. like, how quickly until I get out of an airplane and an airport? I yep. <laughs> like this is just a means to airports, an end. Airports, airports are weird places, man. They're just yeah. they're weird. You're Anything trapped goes. in that little in, in your in the terminal. Right. Uh, everything is food is is okay and uh, unless uh, you know in rare inst- exam uh, or uh, other than rare examples and then it's like expensive and it's just like I don't know I don't I don't like it that's why I'm always trying to cut my <laughs> cut my timing as close as possible because I I hate being there. Qantas Airlines seven hour flight to nowhere sold out of its 134 window seats in 10 minutes. Wow. With ticket prices ranging from five hundred sixty-six to two hundred, uh, excuse me, two thousand seven hundred and thirty-four dollars, seven Ooh. hours. A seven-hour flight already sounds like a pain in the ass. Oh, when yeah, nope. uh, heading somewhere fun and enjoyable, let alone going right back to the same airport. That is that is ridiculous. It's ridiculous on so many levels. I could never. Especially, ju- oh, go ahead. Sorry, I I could just never justify being on a plane for seven hours to land in the same place i know i took off but who knows man maybe we're being closed-minded maybe they got some great views got some great pics for the gram i betcha i I can't imagine the best views come from an airplane i'm gonna be honest i mean probably it's not not a great angle uh i mean the slowest a plane could probably go is what 300 miles per hour right (laughs) right 
<laughs> like it's not really the most con- like it's not really the best and maybe you could it's cool to see st- stuff ab- like see from above but for seven hours what yeah. so for seven hours you're just you're just when your eyes are peeled uh, on the uh, like the at window. the window or you pay uh two thousand seven hundred thirty four dollars which I imagine is what first class so you yeah. get a slightly better shitty meal <laughs> like right you could buy I, I and no matter where you are I imagine you could find a much better meal than you can find on I can, just about every airplane the side of a private jet you know right well i can i can just think of so many better things i could spend that money on then and that's the thing and this is uh and like you could rent a car for 566 to 2734 dollars and go in and go actually go like experience within the same places. place within the same right. area and actually yeah have experiences mm-hmm. um and I yeah, it's just it's it's uh, it's I don't understand the appeal, and I I don't understand uh, why anyone would enjoy e- even going to the airport. You right. still probably uh, you still obviously have to go through security. Mm-hmm. You still obviously have to. I, I oh my gosh, you still have to check in. <laughs> I don't so much effort. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh it's my absolutely gosh, absolutely crazy. So not for you. Nope. I'm gonna. That's a big fat no for me, buddy. On that one, <laughs> that is for sure. I just, yeah, it's so ridiculous, and especially that price. I mean, it really to me makes no sense at all. Yeah, yeah, no and, and sense at all. And it, it is interesting to me. It's like, do, do the airlines have no, have no like shame? I guess the answer is no. <laughs> so like, whatever we can do to make money, even if it's exactly. Like, like exactly. I, I just imagine the people in whatever department it is that figures this stuff out. Is this like how can we just get find any way to get people on this plane? You know, <laughs> right. it's like forget the environment, forget uh, whether if people need need this or we anything. We need to make money. Yeah, we're here to make money. Yep. <laughs> so yep. we better find a way to get people on this plane. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's 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 oh my gosh. Um, in in a so year yeah. or two, if if things don't improve, you're gonna start seeing karaoke bars turned airplane rides or some shit <laughs> well the air the airline industries really do have no morals because they were also the ones um at least there are all the stories earlier on in this thing about how they were um what was it oh they were doing those ghost flights because um in order to oh, keep yeah. certain routes and good in good times like the big mm-hmm. airlines you know you have to pay a lot for this but also if right. you don't fly the routes like a certain amount of time in in your you know the year or whatever that they that they do the bidding for these routes then you lose them so they're just like right. well we we can't lose these routes these are you know th- so we're just going to fly empty planes or damn near empty planes just so you know we can keep 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 this Right. Uh, yeah, and it's just like yeah, the we're, we're, I don't know. I feel like the airline industry has really been exposing themselves mm. recently. I mean, I'm we're there, we still haven't really fully gotten past the Boeing incident with the seven thirty sevens or whatever it was seven thirty seven maxes. Right. Yeah, that's that's true. I think this whole thing has exposed a lot of different uh, businesses and people and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, but, I'm really behind your your sponsorship. Uh, political sponsorship idea where they need to mm. wear their sponsorships like a NASCAR driver. Oh, for sure. 100%. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, dude, that is for sure. Well, uh, instead <clears throat> of talking about some politicians, how about we uh, 
spread a little love. I, I love how you say instead of talking about politicians because you're like, there's a very small chance that we're going to be spreading love to politicians. Let's be honest. Yeah. Although you Probably have before, you have before to be fair. Maybe maybe not. But my first my <laughs> Chad, first shout out today. Well, neither uh, confirm Jared, nor deny. That's right. Uh, no comment. <laughs> the Untranslatable <laughs> Podcast has no comment on the matter. Anyways, uh, this is fantastic though, Jared. Shout out to my. Uh, I guess my last place that I called home, which was China, uh, they have pledged to be carbon neutral by 2060, uh, which Mm. is great because, well, number one, China is the world's biggest source of CO2 emissions, and uh, and they have set a date for carbon neutrality uh, 2060, which honestly, as big as China is and as much as it's still developing, um, I think uh, 2060 is probably a realistic goal, to be honest. Um, just because like, I don't know, you just see all the factories and everything else over there and that stuff cannot just be turned into green energy and solar and all these other types of renewable energy overnight. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of coordination, but I think this is awesome that they have, uh, um, you know, set a date and, uh, hopefully we'll figure out at some point what, you know, what the plans will be and how they'll do that because I'm, uh, really curious to see how they'll, how they'll do that. Um, but I think that's great. So, um, what do you mean? Our, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to see how they'll do it because of how aggressively they're known for like uh in in like growing in 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 uh what's what's the, like building up and in industrialization. Yes. Like they're mm-hmm. they're they're very known for fast growth, and uh, I'm I'm just interested to know see see how they balance that because I don't think that's I can't imagine that. Their plan is to slow that down, you know? It's like, right. but how can we, I guess, I well, imagine, I, how can I, we do it in a cleaner right. way? Exactly. And I'm. And to be honest with you, um, I have to say, I was so impressed by just the amount of ingenuity there is in China, um, the way people, um, people are really good over there at making do and even making, I don't know how, how this, this won't make sense, but they go above and beyond just making do with what they have. A lot of people, I mean, they're so ingenuitive, um, and, and I think that uh, they will definitely be able to hopefully find a way um, to do that. So I think that's great. My second shout-out, this, cra- this is kind of a crazy story, Jared. Um, the headline is, Sniffer Dogs Found to Detect COVID-19. So according to a study... Oh, I saw that on Twitter. Uh, I saw, like, a headline. Yeah, so according to a study um, deployed... Um, I don't know if it was the University of Helsinki. Yes, the University of Helsinki. Uh, there were uh, uh, dogs that have shown to be able to identify the virus within 10 seconds. Uh, and the, the dogs had That's almost... faster than like the rapid COVID test that right. the White House is using. <laughs> right. And what's also interesting is uh, apparently so far in the study, uh, the dogs have actually had 100% accuracy. Um, All right, sometimes listen, even Chad, this is, isn't this crazy I, I don't know i don't know if you've been talking to my partner or something but fine <laughs> we'll get a dog you <laughs> uh, gotta call finland so it can smell covid so you can make sure yeah, you give don't me one of those anybody... covid sniffing dogs right can you imagine dude can you imagine people people could make a pretty penny for one of those things if they try to advertise that i mean i, I could you imagine one of those at the airport <laughs> One of those COVID dogs barking at you at the airport what in like if, five what if years. What you just got like, a, like a Slim Jim or like beef jerky <laughs> in your pocket and that's why it's barking at you? Like, like there's like that really funny like headline and it later became a meme of this like 
cute little like cocker spaniel or springer spaniel dog that they had as a bomb sniffing dog in england but and the headline read something along the lines of um bomb sniffing dog good at sniffing out sausages not uh, sausages instead of bombs and so it turns (laughs) out he was you know finding people's you know the food and snacks they had in their suitcases and not um you know, now listen, no. I, I very rarely travel with explosive devices or firearms, but I get <laughs> so <be> careful saying <laughs> that. <laughs> I get so uncomfortable around those dogs. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, did I do I have some explosives that I didn't know about? <laughs> well, there's there's also that really funny meme. I think I might have even uh, seen it on Twitter of the the police officer and he has his drug dog and this guy i think sent a snapchat and it says like i got like two ounces on me i hope this dog doesn't snitch and then someone made a fake twitter account with a picture of the dog and it was like don't worry i ain't no snitch or something like that <laughs> i saw that it was really i funny. saw that that was a couple yeah that was like a couple months ago or something yep yeah <clears throat> but yeah anyways that's a crazy story shout out to i wonder who had that idea like who was like hmm I wonder if dogs, because dogs can sniff out all sorts of other illnesses and stuff. It's crazy. Well, um, I mean, the idea doesn't seem far-fetched to me because of right. that. Like, don't they have, like, cancer-sniffing dogs and stuff yeah. like that? Well, I think the, the, the more the thing to me is how, how are you able to get to capture the smell of COVID, you know? <laughs> like, right. well, how, how, how are you able to make right. that identifiable? Well, I think I would be willing to bet you, this, this is just my crazy far-fetched guess, and and to all our listeners out here, I am by no means a scientist. This is not a fact. This is just a crazy they had, idea. had like a sick person cough in a dog's face. Uh, well, <laughs> I, th- I think I think that's so terrible, Jared. No, what, what, I, <laughs> what I what I think it it is is that because um, I remember when uh, my parents took their dog to get trained, and and my mom did the training with her. Um, the the dog trainer said if your dog starts like smelling you like more than normal or starts like pushing their nose into like a certain part of your body go to the doctor yeah Mm. go to the doctor um because and and i i bet you what it could be is it could be maybe there is some type of scent or i wonder if it has something to do with your you know your blood sound maybe your sound or i don't know somehow i think like also maybe your blood circulation or or your heartbeat. I, I don't know, but you know, a yeah. dog's sense of hearing and smell is so much better than ours. Right. Um, it's it's hard to say. I mean, you know, who who knows what you know their sensory, you know, what they can pick up. But anyways, this is really crazy. Um, pretty crazy stuff. So yeah, shout out. Bears to also the- have really good uh, hearing and and smell. I wonder if we could somehow use them for good. Oh, that, I mean, we'll have to make a, a on the road <laughs> to, to get to Russia to find out. A, <laughs> there's one on a leash sniffing right. you. <laughs> exactly. That's definitely a great deterrent not to travel with uh, Anything explosives. Bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. We take care of this right away if we find any sort of uh, problem. Exactly. Don't mess All around right, with the bear, Jared. Yeah, I think it, uh, it, you might know what time it is, Jared. Do you hear that? Oh, yeah, I hear it. Oh, I hear, I hear it as well. It's time for the untranslatables, which are uh, idioms, proverbs, axioms, sayings, phrases that don't translate on a one-to-one basis into English. And I have three, I believe the language is pronounced um, Khmer, which is spoken in, do you know, Jared? Cambodia. Very good. Very, very Ta-da. good. You probably already know these uh, untranslatables already. Uh, <laughs> so the first one for you is, I believe it's pronounced Sabak Chong which means uh, leg skins. What are leg skins, Jared? Pants. 
Uh, close. Underwear. Uh, go a little further down. Socks. You're Boots. getting really Shoes. warm. There we go. There we go. Shoes. Leg, leg skins. Leg skins. I guess shoes. so. Well, I, I guess wonder. I, in I, my I, mind, I'm like, skin is leg skin. <laughs> well, right. Well, the thing is, is that I wonder if, um, you know, some some languages, and I don't know this about um, Khmer, but some languages, when they say leg, that includes the foot. Uh, okay. So I so wonder if maybe that's why. Us here in the United States, we separate our legs from our feet. Right. Even though but some the, people are like, that's all just one feet. thing. Right. Because it is technically all one thing. Sure, but I guess you could say that about your whole body. It's all one thing. I would it hope. is. You, Very good. One should, hope. We, should we talk about the seven chakras while we're at it, too? <laughs> or see head, shoulders, knees, and toes? Oh. <laughs> uh, the fourth hole. I always like to joke about the fourth hole. You've seen that family guy, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, my first untranslatable is, uh, um, is French, and it's uh, Cherchez la petite bête. Something about a little something. Yeah. Uh, look for the little beast. Look for... Is this sexual? <laughs> no. No, it's, it's not, not okay. sexual. It's not sexual. Okay. Got, got to double check sometimes. Uh, okay. <laughs> hmm. What was it again? Something about the little beast? Uh, to look for the little beast. Chercher la petite bête. You, that sounded good right there. That Thank might you. have to be a drop. Seriously, that's, that sounds really good. Um, I mean, it is usable, probably. Right. Um, so to okay, hmm. Let's give me give me a clue here, Jared. Give me a clue. Um. Okay, I don't even know if I'm trying to think if I even know. Like I so there's so first of all, there's a clear untranslatable that we have in the United States. Okay. Um, and probably another English speaking. Does places. it have an animal? No. No. Okay. Um. Uh, so, um, I don't, I'm, now I'm trying to wonder if I even fully know what it means. It's funny too, cause like I know the untranslatable, I'm like, huh, but how would you use it? I will say that, so to look for the little beast is, um, so let, let's see. Okay. Okay. Um, so you're telling me a story. You're like, dude, oh my gosh, I was on the freeway. Oh, get to the point. No. No. Okay. And, um, and, uh. And this guy, he, he, in this pickup truck, he cut me off and, and he started giving me the finger and I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what kind of pickup truck was what it? What a jerk. Okay. And you're, and you're like, oh, I don't know, like a, like a F-150 or something. I'm like, oh my man, that's crazy. That's crazy. Was it, what color was it? And you're like, uh, uh, red. And you're like, are you, oh, but was it like a maroon or like a, more like a bright red. And you're like, I, you're like, who cares? I don't know. Burgundy. I don't know. And I'm like, uh, and you're like, I don't know, Maha, Maha, uh, bur- oh, yeah, Burgundy. That's perfect. You're like Burgundy, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but with like a light Burgundy. Like, would you call that like a more mahogany Burgundy, maybe a darker side? And you're like, bro, you're really looking for the little beast here. Who cares? So you're, so you're like looking, trying to get to the finest detail. We have a untranslated. Our untranslatable in the U.S. Uh, or the in the Engl- in English has to do with hair. You're. If you don't cut your hair for a long time, uh, this happens to the end of your hair. Dead ends? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, what happens? Split ends? There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it's to split hairs. To split hairs. Oh, okay. Is that what splitting hairs would be? Did I I explain that right? I think so. 
Okay, That's, like that yeah, makes sense. Like, to you're, me, like yeah. you're worried too much about the details, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're splitting hairs. Yeah. You're just yeah, looking at. The, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is this is a this is a weird one, and uh, honestly, Jared, I'm, I hate to say this, but I wish you luck. This is uh, my <laughs> my last two Challenge are also Khmer, and uh, this one is Tuk Krok Khma, which uh, literally translates to orange juice cat. I'll tell you, this is a fruit. Oh, a jackfruit. Nope. A pomegranate. Nope. <laughs> See, now I'm just guessing fruit. Nope. Orange juice cat. And it's a fruit? What fruits look kind of like an orange? And might be shaped like a cat's eye. Uh, a clementine, a tangerine, uh, a lime. There we go. There oh, it's we a go. lime? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, you're right. That, you were right to wish me luck. Cause <laughs> yeah, I told you that one's a tricky one. <laughs> Is that like the official word for for lime? According to the website I found this at, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I'll take. I'll take. But the any word for any it. listeners in Cambodia, let us know on translatablepodcast@gmail.com. We don't want to be spreading disinformation and misinformation about your language. You that's for sure. My next and last untranslatable is Norwegian, and it's... Uh, do you know what the little circles over A's in Norwegian? How would you pronounce that? Uh, no Fe, idea. Fa. No idea. Great question. Okay, well, every A... Well, most of the A's, except for one of them, have that little circle over it. Nice. Just just go uh, with your gut, Jared. You can do blod it. Now, one word you should know just from... Tree? Con- Pine tree? N- Afa blood, uh, pa tannin. Oh, pair couple. No, the blood is blood. That's the word. Oh, I, I thought, okay. Hold on, let me hear this. Let me see if I can figure out how you would okay. actually let's actually say, say this. the O's. Let's hear. Oh wow. Uh, oh, 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 it's like oh. Oh, it's like an O. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it's like a darker A, I guess. Like an okay. A-O. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is. It's an O. Uh huh. Oh. Afa blood, pa I'm glad I looked that up. Which means? Uh, to get blood on your teeth. To get Oh, is that like to to like work really hard? Like to Wow. Your boy's got inspired or driven before. to do something. Oh yeah, okay, that makes getting to work. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That was getting very good. That's very teeth. good. That was not obvious to me, but I when I hear it, it makes sense. It makes but sense. I, I like yeah. that one. That one's it's badass, It's like almost kind of like to get your hands dirty, like yeah. is what, what we would say here. That, for some reason, I know that I don't think the Danes... Uh, were the Danes Vikings as well? I think so. I think so, too. The, uh, maybe not Vikings specifically, but they had some sort of... Um, right. Because you know. that just sounds like, like a badass thing a Viking would say. You know, <laughs> oh, oh, Fjord, you have blood on your teeth. I don't know if that's uh, how Viking talks, but you know, <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> he sounded like I don't know, no Irish or something or Scottish. I don't even know right. what that was. All right, I got one more for you, Jared. Then we can get into our counterculture topic today. You uh, betcha. Because I think this one, in some ways, may s- slightly relate to some aspects of counterculture, and this is uh, Wulmuk, and Wulmuk means spinning face. Spinning face. Is that me? Is that like uh, to be two faced, or to no. be like a double, like a, not double sided, but like a shifty? Think, think about, think about if you're, 
if you feel like your face is spinning or your head is spinning, how would you how would you describe that feeling? Uh, disorienting. Or if you spin around a lot, you spin your face around. A dizzy. Lot. There we go. Oh, it means to be dizzy. It to means have a to be dizzy. Face. Spinning face. So it's actually more literal than I was than I was yeah. thinking. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, it's, a, it's a good the one. How, what does that have to do with counterculture? Where I, are you going with that? I feel like uh, in counterculture, you have some wild music that uh, mm, might be running around like crazy. Music. Uh, you might be disoriented because uh, in a lot of counterculture, they do enjoy their fair share of different uh, substances. Uh, That's for true. example, you know. So, uh, but let's get into it. Let's talk about counterculture today. Uh, what, what does counterculture mm-hmm. mean to you? I see your background. If you're looking, mm-hmm. watching us on YouTube, you'll see Chad's uh, psychedelic the U.S. capital. Mm-hmm. That's sort of psychedelic out. It's almost like a, and it's sort of darkened out. And there are a lot of shapes and stuff around. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, I don't know. I get, it gives me vibes of someone on some sort of hallucinogen talking about um, the Illuminati or something. I see a lot of right. triangles. Well, I mean, that's that's where we're going by the end of the episode, Jared. So, uh, so hold on tight. Yeah, we didn't mention that we did take some psychedelics right before this started. <laughs> they should be kicking in right about now as we get into the main topic. <laughs> we, we we planned it. We had a timer set and everything. Anyways, um, so counterculture. I, well, I would just say counterculture is any any type of movement or reaction against the mainstream, and the mainstream mm-hmm. could be anything from the mainstream government, the mainstream media mainstream music mainstream anything mainstream film anything that's kind of your cookie mainstream, cutter like society i also think right. like family style yep. yeah sure maybe. the nuclear family mm-hmm. you know yeah definitely i mean counterculture movements i also think of like cults as a part of a counterculture movement sometimes yeah a lot of cults. Uh, definitely art De- oh, a lot art. of art art for sure music is a big one too now I believe I watched some movie. I, maybe this was with my partner. Maybe I don't. But have you heard? Of, there was this movie that I, I told you about it when I watched it because I watched it during this podcast at some point. Now that I remember, now that I think about it, it was about a um, artist that was struggling to to be true to himself. Mm-hmm. He, it was a German movie, and um, I think I we talked about. I watched it. this. Did I watch this in a movie theater or something? Like is this one when I went to the German movie theater? Is this what I watched? It could, I don't could remember. Be. Could well, be. I didn't go to a German movie theater, but I went to like a foreign movie theater, and I remember I in Philly watching it. Anyway, it was about how he was in because he was in Germany and he was in like Cologne or Dusseldorf or Cologne or something, mm-hmm. which were known for being very countercultural at the time artistically. But he was a very traditional painter of uh, and 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 people weren't really interested in his traditional paintings, but he had to stay true to himself, and it's a you know about. In spite of counterculture, staying true to yourself, essentially. He was essentially the counterculture by being, quote-unquote, traditional, you know? Because mm-hmm. when everyone's counterculture, no one's counterculture. That's true. That's, yeah, that, that's a crazy idea, isn't it? When counterculture, that's, that's I feel like also very well, incredibly meta, but like when counterculture becomes so, yeah, that, yeah if everything's I, counterculture, I like- nothing is counterculture. I feel like that's also a big challenge for artists too, because mm. we all have artists too, where it's like, oh, I knew them when they were not famous, or, or I knew them when, you know, like like especially I I know a bunch of rappers that I'm like, oh yeah, I much prefer like Wale. I used to love Wale's mixtapes, and I mm-hmm. and I always have to stop myself from being like, oh yeah, I liked him before he was signed to a label and uh, making right. you know Don't music for, for a company. Like you can hear the difference, <laughs> right? And and it's so weird where it's like, well, obviously. You you should be if you if you're a fan of this person you should be happy for their success and to see them getting more popular but it's like oh no their music's not the same anymore now 
that they're making music for a company essentially is what right. what you're doing when you're signed yeah. to a music label. Yeah, it the the role is very different. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, but uh counterculture I think what's so fascinating about counterculture is that at least as Americans, I think we associate it a lot with the 60s and the 70s and the hippie movement. Um yeah. because I think that was one of the first which is kind of uh like uh, Jared's favorite phrase, piggybacking on what Jared said, um, the the uh, hippie movement, I think, was the reason why we associate counterculture with it is, I think there are two main reasons. Number one, uh, it was during the boomer generation, their like, time in college and their like, 20s and, and th- I think teens to, to maybe even late 20s. Mm-hmm. And those are our parents, a lot of us at least, uh, at least the millennials do it, you know, uh, talking. And, uh, and the thing is, is that I think uh, the hippies at the time, you know, w- were, I think a lot of people really looked down on them and, and thought negatively. Uh, yeah. But, but but a lot of... They, the, they well, got like those, like they had a bunch of negative stereotypes of being like lazy. And smelly. And, and, yeah. Right. And, and not, not productive. And, right. And, 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 yeah, but the funny thing is, is that I feel, like, I feel like that era and that generation produced some of the top music. I mean, music back sure. then was fantastic. And so I think because of the music, I think it brought hippie culture as a counterculture to a more mainstream type of culture to the point where I would even argue that hippies nowadays might not even be really that counterculture. I think it's just broken off into different kind of yeah, sub well, countercultures. I mean, hippie is now like what we call. Is is essentially like a hipster, but a hipster is just someone that wears glass, wears right. glasses, and they don't have prescriptions, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, uh, and wears only a lot drinks Pabst Blue clothes. Ribbon because yeah. it's cool to drink that, or, or because <laughs> it's not cool to, a to bunch drink. of like underground music right. that no one you've never heard of them, but they're right. better than blah blah blah. Exactly. Um, I think another big part of of ca- counterculture popularity in that time in the U.S. had to, a lot to do with uh, like it being the height of the civil rights movement too. I agree. And so I think I think that is, I think that that was probably I imagine. Now obviously I wasn't around them, but I, I imagine that is probably around the beginning where it started to be more acceptable to like speak out against you know some of the some of the uh, like oppressive laws and stuff like that and i think it became popular mm-hmm. almost like it's popular now for a celebrity to uh to be like i so, you know black and white there and be like i am part of the problem right. i need to be held accountable you know and and everyone's rolling their eyes i think I, that feels like it was kind of the it was that that was kind of what was going on in the 60s too just they didn't they couldn't put out selfie videos of them practicing and I, I imagine some of those actors must have sent those off as an audition tape and be probably <laughs> be like this is some of my top work recently right uh, yeah that wouldn't surprise me that I work well remotely <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah I, I think I think that um, the civil rights movement had a lot to do with that and people and and it, and it has to and, and once again. Because that has to do with the civil rights movement has to do with fighting against, quote unquote, the man, the establishment mm-hmm. being the government, being the uh, the white people as a whole. Status you know, quo. This, mm-hmm. Yeah. The status quo of what's normal of 
uh, you know, of societal of, normal, yeah, norm values. You know, yeah. your hair needs even, to look a certain way. You dress a certain way. Isn't that also when the during the Olympics they did the uh, the fist thing too around that time? Wasn't that around there? I think so. Was that was his name Jesse Williams? I think I think so. Sounds right. Yeah, when they won the Olympics uh, in wasn't it tr- was it track? 1968, yeah. Uh-huh. In Mexico yep. City, it was uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. So yeah, it was just a like these. The, it was a very popular time for these, for for these uh, political movements. I mean this. I, I mean not political movements. I mean these. Uh, well, no, that uh, was a political movement. Well, sure, sure, but I, I meant more to say like these. Um, uh, civil rights movements is what I meant to say, mm. but yeah, it's clearly. I mean, it's a civil rights movement a- asking for a change in policy, so it right. is obviously a political movement as well. But but I mean, even this, like I'm looking at the picture now, even this movement, at, or the symbol of the fist, is still you know something that's very commonly today. used today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think a lot of, uh, I, but I think the good thing about a lot of these countercultural movements is it has brought some better things, I think, into the mainstream. You know, I mean, the, the point of counterculture is to talk about things, I think, that the mainstream does not talk about because either it's mm-hmm. it's too difficult, it's too harsh. It's, if you're talking about the me- mass media, it doesn't fit into their narrative. It doesn't get enough clicks. It doesn't get enough views, whatever it may be, right? So right. So I think that's what's also you mentioned, you know, art and music, which I think is, is a big, you know, and as I mentioned when we started this episode, um, you know, I think many different cultures express counterculture in very similar ways through music, through art, especially through like street art, street performances, street music. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it's that, a, when you say that, I think Berlin just wrote immediately. Yes. Actually, you know, <laughs> let's, let's think of some, either some places, let's just do like a quick little counterculture. Um, so, okay. So for you, a place you think of uh, for counterculture is Berlin. Right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of graffiti mm-hmm. all over the place. The art, like like it has a very specific style. Is the word mm-hmm. we were using a lot during the week was aesthetic. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would agree with that. I also think of um, uh, Brooklyn and the Bronx when it comes to hip hop because I feel like hip hop mm-hmm. at, at in its early stages it was a part of counterculture. It wasn't a mainstream thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I think I think yeah. hip hop was a big. Uh, counter. I think a lot of music, really punk music, is very counterculture. Metal music, yeah. big time. I mean, uh, one of my favorite metal bands, Lamb of God. I feel like they have a lot of music that is very kind of uh, critical about the system um, and a lot mm-hmm. of stuff like that. So a lot of conservatives have been mad recently about Rage Against the Machine, talking oh, about yeah. how Donald Trump is a terrible person. Where it's like, uh, did you not? Uh, did you not even hear the title of their <laughs> of, of their band? band? Right. What machine do you think they're raging against? What the, the vacuum machine, the washing machine? Yeah. yeah, vacuum. Yeah. Oh man. Well, the funny thing is too is that I saw someone try to pull the whole oh, you're a musician, why are you sharing your political opinion kind of thing? Uh, and they tried to pull that with Tom Morello, the guitar player from Rage Against the Machine. And uh, ironically, well, not ironically, but uh, it just so happens that Tom Morello studied political science at Harvard. Um, so right. hmm, I think he might yeah. know what he's talking about. I am sticking when, to what I know. Yeah. Right. And so, so and, they're always like, stick to what you know. Right. Or it's like, I mean, I have a degree on it, so I guess technically I, I, would, I could say I know right. it. Well, well, his response on either Instagram or Twitter, wherever it was, it was just a slam dunk. He was like, you don't need a blah, 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 blah in political science from Harvard to, to see this, but just so happens I do. 
Well, and that's such a classic tactic used by people on the internet to silence anyone that says anything that they don't like is stick to sports, Mm -hmm. stick to cars, stick to music, whatever it is that your thing is, where it's like, don't veer off of don't have any sort of real opinion you're just an actor how could you like why why should we listen to your opinion right or it's like first of all you don't have to just exactly uh, they're allowed to say whatever they right they're allowed to say whatever they want i mean that's the beauty of free speech what speaking you want to hear the complete opposite of counterculture sure did you hear about uh the rock today was this was today i believe uh -uh, no what happened he put out a seven minute video supporting biden harris and he like uh and i think he interviewed them i didn't watch the whole thing because i almost threw up in my mouth uh but it's just so funny uh it's just so weird to see i mean and then of course i mean i didn't even i didn't even really wasn't even interested in the video you know what i was interested in of what? course is the comments sure of course <laughs> of course and, and this one guy was like oh come on man i i thought i thought better of you the rundown was one of my favorite movies but not anymore and i was like first of all you chose a shitty movie to be you, <laughs> right the out of rundown all the rock was one of your favorite there, yeah. movies right <laughs> Oh man, that's not a good movie, dude. I mean, it's a fine movie, but it's like what? A, it's like yeah, that's high art from The Rock right there. Right. Oh man, <laughs> Fast Eight was my favorite, bro. Not anymore. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna boycott all rock movies. I'm gonna burn my WWE flag in my in my parents' basement. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I do not smell what The Rock is cooking. <laughs> the Rock is cooking some bullshit. No, uh, but I mean that shows you how serious pe- this thing. Even The Rock is like, oh god, right. I gotta say something i don't because these people are gonna are about to vote trump in again right but anyway um, that's the opposite of counterculture the right. rock endorsing uh biden harris is not you know what's funny though is i think <laughs> i think the beginning of trump did kind of start as a counterculture yes. thing 100 yes. he's say to talk he's telling it like it is right. he's not one, one of these of the politicians all the time yeah he tells it like yeah, it he's, is. he's, a, he's honest he speaks his yeah. mind is what they say you know um, yeah, and, and they're saying we need someone to to uh, get us out of the habit of just going, this, p- selecting these robotic right. but, politicians. But can can I just say this? And I am in no way defending uh, Trump at all. But I will say but, this: I have heard, like, when you hear leaked clips of him talking to people behind closed doors, he sounds a hell of a lot more intelligent and coherent than he does during his speeches and all that other. Mm. Uh, all that other crap. And I, yeah. I wonder, I have my own little theory here, Jared, that I wonder if that has to do with he he has a certain persona he plays to his base and he knows it works right. and so that's why he does it. I honestly, well, I, I mean, don't think he's as stupid as people think he is. Yeah, I don't think it's helpful to just, to just discount discount uh him fully i that i think that's fair i think i think we're not like people aren't doing themselves any any service like but i i i don't think he's as planned like i don't think he's planned like when he says the things he says i think it he is very off the cuff but i right. think what it is is that like he's at least what it is what it seems like to me is that he's just very like his specific move is to play to his audience he's very yep. good at playing yep. to what whoever his audience is at that time right like it seems like his just immediate goal is like how can i get these people to cheer for me yep. and yep. and whoop for me like yep. he's just he just knows how to play to whatever audience yeah Lo- he is. love him love him or hate him uh the dude can do it uh that that is for sure but anyways yeah. uh yeah i would say he definitely his 
his entire everything started kind of as a counterculture. But the funny thing is, is, is <clears throat> I think that was one type of counterculture movement where because it wasn't based on civil rights and it was based more on, I think a lot of people, honestly, Jared, were angry at the government. And that's why a lot of people voted Trump in, in 2016. Um, they really mm. did think he was going to. And and I tell you what, he has brought in a lot of change in the government. I'm not saying for, for better or for worse here, but. Um, yeah, well, it's hard to tell because people still support him. And it's like, is it because of the policy or is it just because you like that this person is uh, essentially a, a uh, like an open racist that just speaks his mind and you've never really seen anything like that and you and you I don't know it's like I, I don't know it's hard you, it's you there's no way to know right <laughs> is essentially what I'm right. saying exactly because <laughs> no one's just gonna be like oh no I just like that he's a racist that's that's why I choose him <laughs> I mean I think there's plenty of white people out there that would say that just using slightly different vocabulary sure but, of uh, course of course yeah. anyways let's he's talk- cleaning up the streets right. from those thugs right, right let's talk more about counterculture though um yeah, and, and one thing I want to bring up, uh, as we've already mentioned, is music. Um, obviously, the '60s. There's a lot of music out there that has. Maybe I should have ended with music so we could have gone with the song of the pod, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> anyways, there is a lot of really good music in the '60s that's very kind of well. Some some of it's very protest songy and kind of folky, but then you also have some rock music that was also very anti-establishment sorry my german cuckoo clock the untranslated in the 60s made a second appearance it looks like <laughs> it was also popular to um to sing about vietnam too yep. and protest against vietnam uh and anti-war mm-hmm. was very big during that time the idea of anti-war and and i mean they were fighting a, a pretty useless war what seems like in hindsight mm-hmm. especially uh, which, although I, I mean, hindsight, it seemed like they were pretty aware of that in the moment too, <laughs> right? But it seems like a pretty useless war, you know. In a, um, which is interesting too, because it seems like we're fighting a kind of a useless war right now ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> it doesn't seem as it doesn't seem as popular to talk about uh, anti-war these days. That doesn't well, seem like a big. I think I think it depends what kind of music. Which you're... means it is probably part of counterculture right. if if, well, ex- if I don't th- if I don't know about it exactly because obviously people talk about it right. Well, I think you have to look into more underground forms of music to really like. I mean, I mean, Rage Against the Machine. I would say they were. I, I think their I think their message is still very counterculture, but I think they because their music is so fantastic. You know, they've become so famous that I would say. I don't know. Does does here's a question. Does fame negate counterculture? Like if you become too famous and you become mainstream, but mm. your ideals and your songs or your art is still very counterculture, are you still counterculture or are you now have you now become the cool crowd, which means you're not counterculture, but you're just culture? Can you be a counterculture artist that performs in Madison Square Garden as <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> I, I think I think yes. I think if you, if you, because counterculture doesn't really mean like I like to, to be honest, like it doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of people that that agree with you. It just means that it's not a either I don't know popular to be talked about or or people aren't educated. You know, I feel like there's so many reasons like why something can be counterculture, not just because what you're saying is so bad. You know, and I I think if if enough people catch on to someone's message because they're conveying their message so well, if you stick to that message, 
um, then I think that's fine. But I think that gets it gets scary because you know when you're talking counterculture, what's one of the biggest fears of someone that is a counterculture icon? Probably becoming so famous you're not counterculture anymore. I would think. Well, what would you call that? There's a word for that. I have no idea. Well, your fans, your fans say this about you if you start oh, getting sellout. a uh, you're, you're yeah. There a you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think that's one of the the biggest sort of counterculture. Like like that's how you being called a sellout is how you get pushed out of the counterculture movement. So I think you can make money because you have a, a large fan base if you're te- if you're sticking to the same message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think I there agree. are there are groups there are. And I think there, I think there are artists that do that. Like I know Roger Waters; he's very popular for yeah. um, for having strong messaging during his. And people, I think, admire it because he does a good job of keeping it very artistic. Like he keeps it very in his art. And I, I think that if if you can make it artistic, then um, then it's it can still like if you're it can be respected. Do you what do you agree with that? Oh, Oh, one hundred percent, absolutely. I want to talk about those some genres of music. And some different countries, Jared, where um, they might have some counterculture. So one of the first ones that I can think of just off the top of my dome is uh, Czech Republic. And a lot of back in back when it was occupied by the USSR, um, a lot of any basically anything Western um, was kind of counterculture back then because it was against the governmental norm you know um but see that's the weird thing is that we often talk about counterculture as something that's against societal norms but i think a lot of times counterculture can also be um something that society wants or the general populace of society the general people want it but the government forbids it for whatever reason right yeah so so for example like i know punk music I, i i'll never forget one night uh i was out with wasn't one of my students. He was uh, at the school I used to teach at. They also had like a couple of college classes. I forget what like technical grades it would have been, but but uh, he invited me out uh, for drinks one night. So I went and I never taught him before. So and he was actually uh, the same age as me at the time as well. So uh, and he was he was this really really tall guy who had a, a blonde mohawk, like like bleach blonde mohawk. Wore the, mm-hmm. looked like a you could tell he was like a punk rocker kind of dude, right? And so we went out drinking and having a good time, and and he was telling me about his father, who was who smuggled in punk records from uh, I don't remember if he said West Berlin or where, but he somehow smuggled in all sorts of records uh, and and would play them at this bar. And uh, he went to prison. His father went to prison. I forget how long, but because of uh, he was sharing and uh, so passionate about this uh, punk music. So punk music in the Czech Republic to this day is uh, now it's very, very popular. Um, If I spoke better Czech, I could tell you if it's (laughs) anti-establishment. But I would imagine, I mean, if it's if it's true punk music, it will be anti-establishment, you know. Sure. Um, Sure. But if it's more just kind of your fluff punk, like anything, you know, once once anything that's counterculture becomes popular enough, you get your kind of pop punk groups or your uh, dare I say Mm. even pop metal type of groups or whatever, you know. Well, that's because then the companies are like, well, this is what people are interested in now, so we can make make money money. off of it, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it really, the companies ruin everything. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a company's jerk. I think it's money. Yeah. Really, it's money. Yeah, that's At the true. end of the day, that's all it is. is well, money. I'd say uh, a huge part of, um, I would say a huge part of uh, counterculture is anti-capitalism, too. Oh, for sure. Or anti-government. I guess 
anti-government, whatever. Because I say anti-capitalism because that would be what it would be here. Right. But I guess if you're anti-anti-establishment, basically, yes, yeah, no government, yeah. no no taxes, no telling you what to do. How you, you know? So would yeah. you, oh, interesting. Would you consider like a like a libertarian uh, uh, counterculture? Um, not anymore. I would say maybe yeah. years and years ago, but not anymore because I feel like there are a lot of people who are kind of socially liberal, but they're more like fiscally conservative, and they're you know what I mean. I a lot of ways, Jared, I would consider myself more of a libertarian than than a straight up Democrat. I I'm not a straight up Democrat. Um, I wouldn't say. Yeah, you always make a point to say that. Yep, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I, don't I don't think I am party. either, but I definitely would not call myself a libertarian right. by any means. Right. Um, but anyways, I want to talk a little bit more about um, some underground counterculture um, in music. And I want to talk, so I mentioned the Czech Republic. Uh, now I want to talk about China because I saw a couple, not of these bands, but I saw a couple um, like punk bands in China and I could just kind of, and I met a couple kind of punkers at a few places I used to go out in Beijing at. And, uh, I don't know, dude, like, uh, punks and metalheads in China, they are some of the coolest people ever. I don't know what, what? it is, but just, <laughs> they're awesome. Um, what well, is, mm-hmm. is in, uh, the, the thing about being in some sort of counterculture in China, for, for, uh, for example, is it seems like a, like there's legit risk, especially musically yeah. when you're putting out music. Yep. Like that's a legitimate <laughs> like uh, risk you're taking. Because uh, even in the U.S., I mean, yeah, you take risk if you're counterculture, but yeah, for but the most part, like the this. government's not going to come after you. Come after right. you. What? Well, <laughs> I mean, well, that, that historically depends. speaking, right, <laughs> right, right. But but yeah. So the, the thing that's so interesting though about um, in China, I would I would be willing to argue that I would say hip hop in some ways, for sure metal and for sure punk are all examples of um, kind of counterculture in China. Also, there's like artists in China, plenty of artists. Um, now, now, what's interesting, though, is that um, they have to be really careful, a lot of these artists, um, where, you know, they, basically they have to be very choosy of their words and what they say and how they say it. And, but they did the same thing in the Czech Republic, um, where, you know... You well, see, but that's where the mm-hmm. good artistry comes out of it, is where you can still tell your message and, and when... And when the establishment comes to you and say, how dare you say this? And you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm talking about cooking a dinner uh, with spoons. Right. I don't know. I just made something right. up. Right. But you know what I mean? But like- I, I think <laughs> I think another, another reason why in China counterculture is such a fascinating um, thing to look at is because um, I think a lot of it is really just... I see a lot of people in China who I wonder... Um, how good they could have been maybe as an artist or a musician or a a writer or whatever. But a lot of people don't have that kind of option. Right. Um, Mm. And so, and so what, what counterculture I think in for a lot of people in China is it's just simply to express yourself. It doesn't always have to have some anti-government anti whatever. So is it, Mm -hmm. it's hard to even, even if you're not, uh, telling some sort of what what the government or whatever would consider an extreme message is still hard to just produce music and put it out there i mean you have to be careful i mean you have to be careful of censorship um i mean you you have to be careful but i think the i think the key with counterculture over there is that um i mean if if you are if you're well i mean proper counterculture mm-hmm. though does have 
some level of risk to it, you know? Yeah. And I, I think uh, it's very interesting to see counterculture in China these days. Or, for example, I don't know if I should even say this on the podcast because I know you still would consider going back. But, like, even what's going on with, like, HK. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> well, right, yeah. And in China, well, like, there's a whole... you better believe there are people writing songs, making music, making art about what's happening in Hong Kong mm -hmm. right now. Um, for sure. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah, but see, that's, I mean, that's kind of the place where counterculture grows. And I think that's why a lot of countries, um, you know, that's how they want to stop it because they, they understand that, um, you know, if counterculture becomes big enough, it can become a part of just the, the regular culture. Um, and it, and, yeah. and I think counterculture, if you, if you want to, um, control people and if you want to, have them think a certain way you can't allow people to express express themselves freely um it can well it's a very dangerous game i think that's also part of the part of the claim of like um in the u.s especially that it's it's pretty pretty fair to say that a lot of american pop like music and artistic culture has been formed by black people you know mm -hmm. there are a lot they yeah. have a lot of roots in a lot of the original forms of music and art and stuff that happens here in the u.s mm -hmm. and i think that people would some people would attribute that to sort of the ultimate counterculture escaping slavery or you know or oppression is in in having those extreme forms of quote unquote counterculture which it is i mean it is saying i don't want to like not, like being against slavery or being against certain forms of segregation or whatever and that 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 stuff like that is why um is why the the music is so is so long lasting and 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 impactful and and why and I feel like that's where a lot of that impact on American culture comes from is is that sort of counterculture, like the the old extreme forms of counterculture. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I I think the other interesting thing about counterculture is it just has a kind of different vibe, or if it's art, like visual art aesthetic to it that that I think for a lot of people, it, it really catches them. You know, it really, there's, I mean, I think of, I think of, especially in music, you know, you have these diehard metalheads or punkers or, or, or whatever. And I think counterculture, if you get involved in counterculture, it, I feel like in a lot of ways, counterculture is not something that it's like, like, I guess you could in theory, just kind, kind of like a band and be like, all right, they're okay. But I feel like the people who are into counterculture, they're like, it's all or nothing, basically. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. But maybe that's an sure. inaccurate... I don't know if that's a, an accurate perspective or portrayal I, of... I don't know if that has to be. I, I don't know if I fully agree with that, but I, I hear what you're saying. Right. I hear what you're saying. Counterculture has and will always be cool. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, if, if it is considered counterculture, yeah. If it is... Uh, if it becomes mainstream culture, I would, I hate to sound like a hipster right now, Jared, but I would say, <laughs> I would say it's, I mean, I mean, think about it. You know, if you have, um, you know, if you, you have any type of art or music in the beginning where it's like counterculture and it's kind of, you know, I think people like counterculture because as you said, there is an aspect of risk to it. There is this aspect of, um, it's, it's just, it's just different. You haven't seen it before. You haven't heard it before. It's a new experience, right? Uh, mm -hmm. For a lot of, at least I'm thinking of music and art, you know, I can't, I mean, and I, I still remember the first time I heard, you know, some punk groups and metal groups and I'm not a huge, 
you know, punk guy or metal guy. I mean, I listen to, I guess, lately a lot of metal, but still, um, it, yeah. I think, I think there's also something very attractive about that, like, I'm telling you something you don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you something they won't tell you. Right. I think that that that's is true. That's a great point. That's very attractive, and that's where a lot of the like conspiracy theorists come from. Obviously, is like I'm I'm going to get to the bottom of this and figure out what they're not telling you. Yep. Um, and, and I just think that um, it's it's always been very cool, and it's and I, I feel like. I'm just thinking about sort of the stereotypical counterculture person. I imagine someone that's fairly mysterious, someone that doesn't talk a lot, someone that is that that uh, is is very like uh, I don't know, I don't know. But I I just I just find I just feel like it's it's a very attractive thing the idea of counterculture, where it's like this person doesn't listen to what what uh, everyone tells them, and they and they and maybe that's what it is. These people don't follow the rules they don't listen to what other people right. tell they them. make their own rules yeah that's, oh, that's what's very cool attractive who doesn't that's, like that yeah yeah for sure I play by my own rules that's right yeah but i think uh i think you mentioned berlin i think berlin is a great example of counterculture i feel like a lot of different metropolitan places i mean i definitely saw my fair share of counterculture in beijing and i would be willing to bet there's probably even more instances of counterculture in shanghai would be my guess um, right. I got I, I got a friend who is now in that. Shanghai. I'll have to ask her. Um, although I, she's not the going to the punk rock bars type, but hey, um, another popular counterculture town. Uh, I, I can think of two off the top of my head. Okay. One, uh, San Francisco. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's where the hippies were. Yeah, Haight and Ashbury. Yeah. That was like the intersection. And two, uh, Seattle. Yep. Seattle is known for for pumping out a bunch of. Uh, counterculture musicians mm-hmm. and it's definitely got a um a starting not starting but one of them being Jimi hendrix right isn't he from seattle yeah very good i'm impressed good work Jim. yeah Ba-da-da. doing his homework <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and but uh but yeah so i i, I what are some other counterculture oh i'd say ann arbor is kind of has a counterculture yeah, 100%. vibe to it yeah i i would say a lot of when I think of counterculture. That's not a big city. I mean, it's it's a bigger city, but it's not a big city. I also associate counterculture with graffiti. So, like, that's why Berlin strikes me as counterculture a lot because you see all the beautiful graffiti art everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but I wonder now if graffiti. But you also see it in the fashion, too. Right. I wonder, though, in Berlin if graffiti now has become so mainstream it's not counterculture anymore. You know what I mean? But like, I think, like I, I yeah, I understand why you would say that. Right? But I think what helps w- a little bit is there are still areas of Berlin where it's not allowed. I think that right. helps a little bit, where it does still feel a little. And I don't want to say naughty because you're not breaking the rules, I guess. But naughty. <laughs> <Right. laughs> also, it feels weird to say that word. Right. Just um, say it with a British accent, and you're good. But 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 I feel like it helps. Especially since the area where it's not allowed is obviously like the middle and like the tourist attraction areas. You can't just spray paint wi- willy nilly. So when you're in those those sm- those more interesting neighborhoods, uh, it helps. I don't know. It adds to the vibe, especially mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're going to some um, some club in an abandoned factory mm-hmm. or something. You know, right. I, I I don't know. I just because it it, it 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 just have like especially I don't know. It has this like sort of very like abandoned by the masses vibe and yeah. taken over by the by the youth vibe. It, there. I just wanted to say I think a big thing about counterculture is also it tends to be youth. a movement by young people, 
Exactly. Yeah. Ushering well, in some they, idea uh, of change uh, and yeah. I don't know if I agree with this, but they there are always people that say that like as as you get older you turn more conservative. And I'm might be true. Uh, uh, speak for I, yourself. I speak yeah, for yourself, I, I Mr. Am. Libertarian. I, I am. I am Jared. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's uh it's really cool though just to see the way counterculture has um changed cultures and societies. You know, what mm. you know, different things. I mean, I, I look at I look at, you know, a lot of the uh, drug laws around the world. And I think some of that, you know, the the countries that have more relaxed drug laws, I think some of that might be due to counterculture in a way. Yeah. You know? And uh, it is interesting because a city like, um, especially for tourists like us from the U.S., I feel like a city like Amsterdam, you know, a lot of people from the U.S. or outside of Amsterdam probably go there to smoke weed or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like it does have almost like this counterculture sort of... Um, mythos to it until you go there and you're like oh this is just a normal city <laughs> yeah you, yeah it's weird you go there and you visit the red light district and i mean it's it's fascinating to see and it's and it's interesting but like yeah once you get, although i don't think prostitution is counterculture in europe because it's pretty no le- it's pretty it's gr- more legalized and it's been and i mean it's it's the world's oldest profession um you know i mean well that's what <laughs> right. they say you know um but but yeah i i would i would agree that you know um yeah that you, you're right I guess it's more. I guess it's more for us as Americans because you know we're so. Because it does seem so. That. Yeah, we're like, ooh, oh my gosh, we get something that we're not right. allowed to have, and exactly. this would be illegal, but we can just do it freely. Although, right. granted, that's obviously going away here in the U.S. too, as it slowly becomes legalized. Like, I imagine uh, if you go to a, a state where it's fully legalized. Um, mm-hmm. I guess Michigan, it happens to be one of those. Now I think about it. You, it doesn't have that same sort of stigma. like, a, like people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The stigma goes away as soon as you can, right. you see it well, at a normal it's store. Ki- it's kind of like when, when you're in high school and you want to try something, but then your parents are like, oh, you know, yes. you, you want to drink? Okay, have a glass of wine with dinner tonight or something, you know? And then if your yeah. parents do that, then it's automatically almost like, well, this isn't even cool now, you know? <laughs> you know. Well, as a, <laughs> as a kid, I think kids try, like trying stuff like that, it, it feels like part of the enjoyment is is the risk like the enjoyment is, is yeah exactly it's, it's like yeah risk. we're excited to to try and alter our state or whatever but also we're just excited to be sneaking away from our parents right. like the sneak the sneak factor yep. is almost as exciting and and uh intoxicating right. as the intoxicant but i think i think that's a big <laughs> thing about counterculture is that it's kind of this underground it's this kind of it is kind of in a way you gotta you gotta work to find it right and and it is you you know yeah and i think it's it's like that because you're trying to uh also add get that, away from the man yeah yeah you got to add that risk to it i don't know i think i think um for the most part counterculture in the us i would say has done a lot of good um but yeah. but then you also have the crazy religious cults uh, which I would also say is a part of counterculture, and it's at least worth mentioning. We don't really need to talk too much about it, but you know, you do. Do you, th- th- do you think like Scientologists are counterculture? That's counterculture. I think I think it probably at some point was counterculture. Maybe it still is. I I just mm. view it now as an or another type of organized religion. But you mean like those like the extremist Christians that you see like holding up signs about gay people or whatever on the corner? I, I mean like people <laughs> who like move to like the middle of nowhere and build like their own society type of cult. Oh, I mean like oh, hardcore oh, yeah, yeah, cults. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, that's like an old school counterculture right. where it's like where it's like it's, it was like all right, that usually involves some male leader trying to find a way to have sex with a bunch of women, right? And at some point, they uh, all die somehow. Yeah, exactly. But they all did it voluntarily, right? <laughs> and you know, I didn't they, tell them to do it. They just all agreed to or, or, at the exact same time. Or, or what they'll tell them is is you know, well, you're going to salvation or some BS like yes. that. You know, you're going to go see the Lizard King Zorp. Uh, after you drink this magical concoction, which is like, I don't know, uh, lighter fluid and something else, you know. <laughs> well, that is sort of the basis of counterculture, is where it's like, well, I'm we're telling you what what the what the mainstream co- politics and news and media won't tell you. Like this is the truth, right? And then the cults take it to the extreme, where it's like they're frying your head with five G. So come live off the grid, right. With me in this middle of nowhere in Arizona, right? And I'll take care of you, and, we'll and drink give me all of your money, and, right? Right. <laughs> and I'll support. I'll pay. I'll I'll take care of all of us with all of your money, right? And um, sounds like also, a great investment. I'm very horny. Jared. We should uh, <laughs> we should join one of these. Um, <laughs> we know you can't join one. You got to start one for it to be enjoyable. I feel like probably, probably. Well, because you got you got, <laughs> or else you're just working. Right. Or you're also you're just a slave, essentially. That's true. That is true. Um, but yeah, wh- but there are, I, but I guess there are even less extreme cults, like or like a commune, for example. Right. Like that doesn't have to be a cult, does it? But that's a group of people living together right. and subsiding together, and putting sure. their resources right. together. Sure. Well, I think that's different. I I wouldn't. I think a cult is like a group of people that join for a specific reason, whereas I feel like a collective where you're all living together, a co-op type of thing, is more just. Uh, you might well, be a hippie, and it might be greener in theory, or or you know who who knows why. But I just view that a little cult bit also, differently. Yeah, cult also means some sort of charismatic leader. You know, it has to involve some sort of leader that's like right. That's like uh, manipulating people. But I don't I think, think is a pretty right. Big but I don't think if you live it. in a commune, I mean, there could be a leader, I guess. But I when I think of a commune, I don't think of like a. I just, I guess, in my head, I have a different association. I don't have this like Jesus-like dude standing no, in front no, of I don't a either. tent. You I know don't what I mean? Either. Like, if there's a leader, it's like it's a voted upon leader, right? Right. <laughs> you and know? it's somebody who probably, honestly, does a lot of the stuff other people don't want to do, or or is sure, more responsible yeah, it's like they're sitting or whatever. They're figuring out the bills, right? Exactly. <laughs> the they're utilities, doing the budgeting, bill. <laughs> exactly. They got to call How whoever you... <laughs> to fix the toilet, or you know, yeah. How do you feel about the term hippie? Because that's such a go-to counterculture right. word to call well, someone a hippie. But I think the word has changed. It has no meaning, meaning anymore. Exactly. Well, words in general, Jared, have no meaning. Or language I, I, I is feel arbitrary. like in our lifetime, hippie at this point just means someone that, like, I don't know, smokes weed and, and listens to grateful like, music Dead. that you don't listen to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, Grateful Jam Dead. Jam bands, fish. <laughs> fish, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think the, the term <clears throat> hippie now, it just... I think it doesn't have the same it doesn't have the same resonance because I mean I feel like really if you if you're really a hippie I feel like you were alive in the 60s and 70s during that time period when that happened you know what I mean anybody nowadays who says they're a hippie I think they are just um so you think that term sort of like not it sort of specifically belongs to an era like, yeah, like it, of, it describes yeah. a person of a specific era, not right. just generally a kind right. of person. Like I could a kind of person right. from this time. Like you could say somebody is very like they're very you know hippie esque or hippie whatever. tendencies yeah. or. <laughs> but but I, I think if you call somebody a hippie, 
Like, that just means they're dirty and, well, <laughs> and they like crystals. Uh, <laughs> right. And they have to make sure all their, all their clothing soaps. is, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they might be vegan. Yeah. You know, the, uh-huh. the list goes on, but, um, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, I hippie has just changed its, its meaning over time so much. Um, yeah. you know, I think for some people, hippie is just somebody but I think who's that, laid that's back. The same thing with is the same thing, but hippie as a term that representing counterculture, hippie sort of doesn't really mean that anymore. Kind of like just because you're talking about hip hop or just because you're talking about punk doesn't mean you're talking about quote unquote counterculture music. If you're if you're being realistic in 2020, you can say the word hip hop. I mean, I don't know much about punk. I don't know why I use that example, but I imagine you could also say that this is a punk song or this is a hip hop song. But like they're not really like fighting against the machine or you know fighting against some sort of establishment. That's just a genre they're put in because it sounds like that which is what the music is based off of exactly yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there jared let's talk about some chinese counterculture music because it always seems like such a big risk to uh (laughs) to be counterculture in a place like china well so like i said a lot of it is um is uh metal and punk music um also uh, if you look at any pictures of a lot of counterculture nowadays you see a lot of tattoos, a lot of piercings, yes, uh, crazy hairstyles, which is also losing its sort of uh, uh, badassery. Like I tattoos would agree. don't really, like if you had a tattoo in the '60s or '70s, you were badass. It, it, it probably meant you were either in the war or prison, right? <laughs> like, or a sailor. Like that's what. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like it, it, it meant you were hard or something. But uh, n- now it's just like, oh no, I just, I got this flower to represent eternity, uh, to represent the uh, r- finiteness of life. Right. E- exactly. Um, you- you're right. It-, it has changed a lot. But a couple, in case you're curious, just a couple bands, for example, one of them is uh, Big Wave, um, who some people say they uh, kind of sound like a-, a trippier version of the uh, Arctic Monkeys, like a Chinese package mm. of uh, the Arctic Monkeys. Um, which is interesting, uh, you know. But also, if you think about counterculture, you can think of um, in Russia the group uh, Pussy Riot was a big one. Um, you know, that was a big kind of counterculture thing. Um, that I've heard that name mm-hmm. before. I did not know that was a Russian band. Yep, yep. And I believe one of the singers was uh, I don't remember what happened to him, but I, I think he was injured, if not murdered or killed, um, or, or locked up in well, prison. Pussy Riot. I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to imagine it's not a he, first no, it's, of all. I, just Pussy Riot singer uh, and just yeah. see what comes up. Well, I'm looking, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. I thought you said he. Sorry, that's why. I, I didn't. Pussy Riot is a Russian feminist protest punk rock and performance art group yep. based in Moscow. Yep. Uh, founded in August 2011, it had has had a variable membership of approximately 11 women ranging from blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, it's just a, a feminist, uh, you know protest punk group as i said right but a big one in china like i said is big wave um but uh, they also mentioned that you know they want to express their feelings they want to express everything um but you have to be careful because of uh censorship and stuff um is, i wonder if there's like a is it like a sign of like a are you like a martyr or something if you're one of these members of these bands that gets arrested and i wonder how often is that hap- happening that's a good question, and I don't have the answer for you, but that's, that's a good question. I will say, though, if, if any of our listeners out there are curious about where to 
check out some some like music like this, I would say definitely check out the Hutongs in in Beijing for sure. Um, I spent a lot of time there, and uh, the Hutongs are the Hutongs are different than like in Beijing. You have like your really swanky nightclubs. That's like your typical, you know, club with a big dance floor and and blah blah blah. They play top forty and and hip hop and rap and uh, pop and stuff like that. If you're more into the counterculture, uh, look for smaller. And I think this is in general. Look for smaller venues. I know, like the metal mm-hmm. concerts I've gone to um, that weren't like big ones. They were always in smaller venues as well. Um, and and I feel like counterculture venues also have a certain aesthetic, you know, where there's graffiti and stickers and might smell like cigarettes and maybe even cigarettes and, and piss, you know. Um, there was a, yeah, like the dive bar right. aesthetic goes along with these sort of underground uh, uh, places to perform. There was actually a punk, uh, like a, a punk bar, like they had live music or whatever, right across the street from me. I never went into it, but it was one of those places where it looked sort of like a dingy house uh, in, in the city. And every time you walk past it, if, if like, first of all, there are always like, you know, a bunch of people smoking out, out front. But it, like, if you open the door, it was just like a blast of music and then the door closes and it's like, you almost hear nothing again. Then you open the door, it's just like, blah! <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, when I was in, in Philly, actually, I love to, uh, I mean, not that I was doing some sort of counterculture, I was trying to find some sort of counterculture m- movement, but um, I feel like you couldn't help but find counterculture leaning music if you just, if you're just looking for like live music at, at bars and stuff, you know, just I because I used to love to either stumble upon or, or seek out like, um, you know, like live music uh, bar places. It's, I like, it's I like always that interesting. Vibe. Yeah, it's a cool vibe. There's a there's a different just kind of like energy in the air. You know. Hmm. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's come. Maybe I like it because it also prevents my need to talk as much. Mm, that's that's fair. Or, <laughs> or th- gives you something to talk about. Or I think it allows you to avoid talking to other people. Sure, I think yeah. that's what it is because we probably we all know how much you love the idea of going into a crowded nightclub and talking yeah. <laughs> talking to random strangers. You also, how much <laughs> I love the idea of how much I love uh, breakout rooms. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <coughs> but yeah, um, is there anything? I mean, we could we could talk for all day and all night about different examples, but I think we've covered a lot of them here, Jared. What do you think? Yeah, uh, th- there was one. The only counterculture thing that I kind of want to talk about is like the idea of voting third party oh and yeah how like that's almost a like is, is that would we consider a counterculture thing and and if so i i that's something that is definitely not respected you know uh and and by by the, the by the mainstream and it's just like you're just taking like we all know they're not going to win what's the point and they're like well this is my protest void or, or vote or i'm not going to let you control my vote which in theory i understand but i feel like i'm come on, kind of on the side of like you're wasting you're wasting your vote and it's like well i'm not going to let the system tell me who to vote for you know or give me two options that i don't want which i 100 percent get get but i feel like there's also the realistic side of me that's like yeah but we also have but i have no faith in in like the system working you know so let me just at least have it improve it as much as i can for myself in the system that i'm living in i don't know Right. And then also, the I, I was just thinking about the idea that, like, counterculture people, a, a lot of counterculture is also not being respected during your lifetime, you know, 
or 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 like being respected in hindsight of what this like this per, what this person did like a lot these days we you hear about like people talking about like um you know Martin Luther King and people always bring up a Martin Luther King quote uh, or like a Republican being like oh all these uh, he was supposed to be nonviolent he would not support Black Lives Matter or whatever ridiculous stuff right. they say on on Fox News but it's like yeah okay we but also he was killed uh, during the time during his movement um so like. It's 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 like it's not like he was loved universally loved back then. It's just like now that we celebrate him in hindsight, we we call him a hero. But like he was very much a counterculture against, you know, you know. I don't know. It's just it's. I I just think it takes. Uh, sometimes you do have to be a martyr to be uh, respected too. Right. Yeah, that's true. Even musicians, like I feel like a lot of musicians, like if you look at Kurt Cobain uh, or Amy Winehouse, for example, I think some benefits that they have of being like because they're sort of counterculture icons too, mm-hmm. is that they um, like they avoided even the opportunity to really go fully mainstream. You know, right. like they were sort of both in the beginning of it, but like you, you sort of avoid, you know, the, so and so they go out as some as this. As like a, um, even though n- neither of them are, were are really underground, like they were both very famous, but they almost go down as like some sort of uh, counterculture or like underground legend, you know? Right. Oh, it's absolutely. Like he, the, they're one of the good ones, but it's like, yeah, but I wonder if you would still say that about them if they lived out their full life and continued playing, like had a full career, and you saw them get into their like their like their I don't know some old rock band that no one respects anymore but still goes out and performs do you right. have an example of that i don't know like if they were able to get into like their stage of being like bruce springsteen when he's right. 50 or whatever right <laughs> where it's like this guy is just like a mcdonald's walmart uh musician at this point <laughs> yeah i mean when you get so big i guess that's what happens see that's the thing though yeah. like like you said about selling out and uh I think if you do get too big, you're not counterculture anymore. I would say that is that does have some validity. But before we end today's episode, Jared, let's talk really quickly about our song of the pod today, which is from the Chinese metal group Tang Dynasty. The song is called Pathway. Um, and I really liked the song because it has a lot of different aspects to it. Like it's not when you think of, well, first of all, when you think of Chinese metal, I'm not sure what comes to your mind out there, but, <laughs> but, it's just really cool the way they kind of fuse more kind of traditional sounding instruments and, and melodies with like metal music, you know? Yes, the juxtaposition of the two mm-hmm. because they would they would have like a, a moment where they would it wasn't because it wasn't even like it was they weren't intertwined really, but it would be a moment of calm and it would be the more traditional sounding uh, like the more t- traditional Chinese sound and he would and, and the and the uh, singer would just be singing mm-hmm. normally. Right. Uh, normally, whatever you, whatever that would be, but then um, you know, it's almost like a bass drop and some sort of uh, techno beat or something, mm-hmm. and then it has that hard switch to a more what you would think of as a punk sound, and I, I like that. I like that. Um, I just like that that contrast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Um, and I have to say, I really am a big fan of the guitar in this in this song. It does kind of have some like. 80s slash early 90s metal vibes i think at least from the the sound of it when when it's like actually when it's not the more traditional chinese instruments but it's really the kind of more fast Mm -hmm. metal stuff um but it'll definitely like it'll get you pumped up and get you 
You know, this is, yes. this is not something I would listen to right before bed because you're going to get amped up. <laughs> at first, at first you'll hear it and you go, oh, this is so nice. Like, it's kind of calming. Yeah. And then the metal hits and you're just like, yeah. Like, not, not, yeah, not just a, in bed with your eyes wide open. Right. Oh, my God. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so check yeah, that out like on our YouTube channel, Untranslatable Podcast at the Song yeah. of the Pod playlist. It is called Pathway by the Metal Group Tang Dynasty. So let us know. Uh, well, I guess I think we've covered everything for counterculture, right, Jared? Uh, so to recap, yeah, dude. Um, I guess counterculture is only counterculture unless it gets too big and they sell out. Uh, that's, I think, one thing we kind of talked about. Um, that's the big fear. Yep. The sellout. Yep. Don't want to be a sellout. Um, another thing about counterculture. But sellout just means making money. And it's weird, too, because there's well, a weird line well, where it's like. Exactly. There's a weird line where it's. it's <laughs> yeah. It, you, want your, you want them to succeed. Right. There's a balance. But if the, yeah. Yeah. There's a balance. I feel like but I think the difference between making it in at least in the in the like, you know, entertainment industry, music industry, art industry, making it is different than selling out. I think selling out means that you you, you basically you get rid of your values, your morals, whatever you are, whatever drives you right. to create yeah. your music or art. You're no longer yourself, right. you're just you're just uh, doing it for the uh, money. Company right. robot. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I would agree with that. I think counterculture also has to do a lot with uh, freedom of expression, um, freedom to um, question and criticize organizations, um, groups, um, society as a whole, uh, gender roles, do all you, sorts of different things. Do you feel like you had a counterculture phase in your life? Um. You had long hair. Not, That's very counterculture. Yeah, yeah, I did have long hair. You should, if I'll, I'll see if I can find something because you're not on Facebook. I'll find a couple no. pictures and you can you can drop them if you want when this episode drops because there are a couple goofy okay. ones I can find. I'm sure. <laughs> um, ooh, I got one where I have uh, my long hair and I have a camo a uh, uh, camo hat on with an Aussie T-shirt and I'm playing guitar. Oh my um, gosh! <laughs> if, if that's not more counterculture, I guess then what is? Um, but you weren't actually like you didn't have any strong beliefs that you were fighting against some sort of machine or anything no, like that. No, Mm-mm. it was just a look that you liked more than right. anything, and, and a style of music I liked too. Sure, I mean for me, yeah. I, I feel I feel the same way. I feel like there were moments in my life where, like, obviously I listened to. I'm a hip hop fan, so I've listened to a lot of music that might be considered mm-hmm. quote unquote counterculture. But I've never felt like I was. I had any strong. feelings you know like any strong sort of uh i mean other than i don't know does i don't know does block lives matter does that count that's a strong feeling it seems like but anyway i've never had like any is that counterculture though i feel like that's pretty mainstream isn't it you think so i would think Hmm. so i don't know but we're also young and i mean if my social president is (laughs) right yeah but (laughs) that would make me believe that it's not mainstream yeah maybe not yeah it's hard to hard to say because because saying something like that does go against a lot of the political establishment in their yeah. mind. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I mean, it kind of does because I think a, a lot a lot of the reform comes from going against what a lot of Republicans believe. So I think there is a level of. But I, but anyway, I don't I don't think I've had any other than liking a certain look at a certain point of time and maybe enjoying listening to music. I feel like I haven't had any strong enough feelings or convictions or actions that. Uh, other than what I wear or listen to, you know, right? That makes sense. And and so I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I, I've been a poser, but I've never been a, uh, <laughs> I've never really been a strong counterculture person. Mm. Well, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. 
Maybe that's the second biggest fear. The first biggest fear is saying being called a sellout. The second just is being just being poser. called a poser. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Those uh, phony, pre- right. just pretending to be a uh, part of the culture just for uh, for the check. Right. And I, I, I think that that's a very real thing that happens where it's like, is this person a part of the counterculture or are they just, they're just saying what, what like they're just you know saying what what they think the people what their fan base would want to hear exactly that's very true that's and that's always a bummer when you hear from like a uh someone you look up to and they're like oh they don't they don't give a shit about us right yeah (laughs) that is true that's a sad moment jared for sure well let us know though how uh how you enjoy counterculture what counterculture music and art you like at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, untranslatablepodcast, where all sorts of pictures, clips, all sorts of great stuff. Check us out on Twitter, untranslatable1, the number one, uh, for all sorts of great retweets. I can't talk tonight, apparently. It's past my bedtime, people. My apologies. Um, And lastly, please, five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Let us know how we can make this podcast better for you. So as we say here at the Untranslatable Podcast, Yekuyame, muchas gracias, shisha, and dos vidanya. Fight the power. Don't be a sellout, Jared. Don't be a poser. Yeah. Likely I don't make anywhere close to enough money that we can call a sellout. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. But uh, I, I mean, mean I, keep I, my I've, eyes out for that Pepsi and that Coke I've email. St- Actually, I take it back. I started my... I've never not been a sellout. I've always just worked for big companies. Right. I think that's the definition <laughs> of a sellout. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Are you compromising your morals and ideals to do so? Uh, only slightly. <laughs> yeah, only a little bit, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. You're only a, no, you're I'm only no. a little sellout. Like, a, you know, a quarter sellout. <laughs> I I've kind of indirectly worked for the government, kind of. So I feel like I'm also it's I'm working for the that's man. That's true. You know, that's true. Dangerous stuff. In 20 years, I'm going to tell. Yeah, I had a friend, Chad. He uh, had, by the way, you heard that. He uh, used to work for the Trump <laughs> wow, wow, administration. You hear that? He was an agent, oh, a God. Russian agent. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you better cut this out, Jared. You better cut this because I'm recording all this. All right, I'm I'm ending the recording now before That's you, you get me incarcerated, Jared. <laughs>